Today's show is brought to you by Gamefly.com. Sign up for a free premium 30-day trial specifically for the listeners of Geekspace 9 at the URL GameflyOffer.com slash GS9. Again, that is GameflyOffer.com slash the letter G, the letter S, and the number 9. Hello and welcome to Geek Space 9, the Tuscan Shed Media Network podcast where we discover and or rediscover the classic Star Trek series Deep Space 9. With me as always is Peter Dancy. How are you, Peter? I'm pretty good besides the besides the allergies I've been dealing with all week. They suck. Oh man. Yeah, I, I, I feel my I feel my voice being like slightly gruffier and just a little lower than usual, and it's like this is weird. Mm. <laughs> I always hate when you have like that, or not hate, but like fascinated when you have those sinuses and your voice sounds deeper and you're like, right? is it sexy deeper or is it gross deeper? <laughs> it depends on if it depends on if the person know. other if the other person knows that you have a cold. Otherwise, it's right. like, oh, this sounds really hot right now. Mm. It's funny. It's like you call- sound great until your nose is stopped up and then yes. you you know mispronounce <laughs> yeah. a word because you can't speak through your nose and it's then like, they that, realize that, you're sick. That, and it's like, oh, there we go. There we, and, yeah. and it's done. <laughs> I was on the phone with uh, my healthcare provider trying to get my, my throat was closing up and I was on the phone and I was like hey I need help and then the woman on the phone like matched my vocal quality so she was like okay yeah we can help you out and it was like the most seductive <laughs> awesome. quiet thing we're like yeah yeah I need an appointment yeah yeah we get you an appointment <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> And with me as well is Sarah Becker. How are you, Sarah? I am very well. Thank you, Ben. Very well. And this week we are discussing Season 4, Episode 9 and Episode 10, which is the Sword of Kalis and our man Bashir. So first up is the Sword of Kalis. We begin the episode as our old Klingon buddy Kor regales the patrons of Quark's Bar with the heroic tales of him, Kang, and Koloth. After his tales, Jadzia introduces Kor to Worf, who revered the old Klingon, and Kor welcomes Worf because he is a dissident of the government. Kor tells Worf that he is on the station as he is very close to tracking down the Sword of Kalis, an ancient batleth that was used by the first emperor of Klingon who defeated a tyrannical overlord and united the Klingon people. The sword was stolen from the Klingon homeworld by the Herc, a marauder race who have since died out. The Klingon people have long sought the sword, but it has not been seen in over a thousand years. Kor has a shroud that held the sword given to him by a Vulcan science team that he gives to Jadzia. While she analyzes it, Kor and Worf drink the night away, and he asks Worf to join his quest. Back in his quarters, Kor is attacked by a Lethian, but in the morning doesn't remember the psychic attack. Kor, Jadzia, and Worf head out to the Herc mausoleum that they know house the sword. On the planet, they discover a vault that has been ransacked and assume the sword long gone. But Worf discovers a secret wall, and inside rests the legendary sword. When they leave, they discover who else but one of those darn Duras clans. This time, Toral, the young son of Duras that Worf spared despite him helping the Duras sister try to take control of the Empire. The trio fight them off, but are forced to escape through a complicated cave system, as the Duras' men have blocked their transporter. 
The trio travel through the caves and they begin to discuss what to do with the sword. Worf wants the sword to be brought to the Klingon Emperor in hopes that it will unite the Klingon houses against Gowron. Kor believes the Emperor is a fool and that the sword should belong to someone worthy of it. As they travel, paranoia begins to break apart Kor and Worf's trust in each other. Kor blames Worf for sparing Toral, while Worf blames Kor for being a drunk old man who spilled his secrets. When Kor slips off an edge, Worf urges him to let go to rest on a ledge below, but when Kor is brought up, both Jadzia and Kor see the ledge was far too small. Both Kor and Worf now believe they should be the ones to wield the sword, and that they will unite the world under its banner. Jadzia, having enough of this, takes the sword, but in the night, Kor and Worf come to blows. During their fight, Toral and his men arrive, and the trio take them out, only for Kor and Worf to begin fighting with each other once again. Having enough of this shit, Jadzia stuns Kor and Worf and transports them back to the runabout. Back on the ship, Worf and Kor realize that if the sword could divide them, it would only divide the Emperor Empire, and that they simply were not destined to take it back home. They decide to jettison the sword into space, hoping by the time it is found, their people will be more able to handle it. What did we think of the Sword of Kalis? During the last 20 minutes of this episode, all I could think of was like the Ring of Power, <laughs> and yes, it was just right. corrupting them. It, it's sort of interesting because I think because of that and and because... It's just Star Trek and science fiction. A lot of people were expecting this. Apparently, like fans initially were mad because they expected the sword to be magic or have some sort of power. Mm-hmm. But it just really? was a sword. But I like that because it is very much like the, the object is far too powerful in myth than it is in actuality. It's just right. it's just a cool sword with some good history attached to it. It's not right. going to actually unite the race. It, it, it is all the things you build upon it. But... Uh, Yes, what do you think, Peter? No, yeah, I agree. Like, it, it, it's one, it's one of those things where it's like, where it's like, no, this, it, this one sword is not going to be the airbud to your race. He's not, it's not going to show up. It's not going to show up, and we just automatically win the game. I am so happy that I made you two laugh with that reference. Oh my god, I'm so happy. Um, but yeah, That's no, such like. A good reference. Right? When's, okay, to on, be honest. When's the last time that either of you ever thought of that film? All the time. <laughs> it's been a while. It has been a long while. I, I constantly it, it, bring up the, the, the Airbud clause, which is when a, a movie writes something so ridiculous, but you just have to accept it, which is like, you know, there's no rules that a dog can't play basketball. I think there's rules that he at least has to be a student. Like, right, there's yeah. There's got to be some. But just like, well... That's the law. Like, well, man. you're right there, so okay. <laughs> There's no rule logic. that in a sheepdog trial, the dog has to actually be a dog, <laughs> be a pig. Yes, yeah, it's it's same logic. Same logic. But it's just one of those things where it's like, this sword is not going to save your people. You, ha- you, you have to actually put in the work to do that yourself. And, 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 and it's like, Worf and Kor kind of got that. When they decided to jettison jettison the sword into space, but they also kind of didn't. When they were like, maybe it'll be found another thousand years, and we'd be and we'd be ready. It's like, yeah, it's you're basing too much on this one object. Yeah, 
Yeah. They're never going to find that damn sword oh, no, again. Never. I don't care how long they search. It's in the vacuum of space. The dark it's going to end up in vacuum. some other galaxy before anyone thinks about it again. Or land on some random I feel sorry asteroid. for the poor, like, tiny shuttle that, you know, that comes <laughs> along and, like, just gets stuck in their windshield. They're like, the fuck is this? <laughs> Like, Guess we got a new horn, new horn or hood ornament now. Hey, <laughs> like, um, Captain, what, what is it? There's something stuck to the hull of our roundabout. What the fuck is it? I don't. You know, hold up, let me go get it. Okay, it's this really weird ass looking sword. I mean, what, what does it do? Nothing really. I don't know. It's. <laughs> We can use it as a replacement part to repair such and such. Go put it in the back, and you know, that's oh yeah, like how a, the sword is maybe, lost. Is it like on the next stuck episode? In some uh, random roundabout. Maybe the like engineers can. Maybe Nog, the engineers can uh, used a spatula to patch together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe things. maybe the engineers can patch can can attach it to the warp core or something. We'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, guys. Now you made space junk out of uh, history. Indiana Jones how does it didn't feel? even ruin history that bad. Come on. That's what I thought was interesting about this episode is when it started, I was like, fuck, yes, Indiana Jones episode. You know, like, we're going to go on a, a treasure adventure. And right. it's actually kind of interesting that they get the treasure in, like, 20 minutes. And then the rest of the episode yeah. is very much a Lord of the Rings and, and very, very much a, a treasure of the Sierra Madre uh, thing, which treasure of Sierra Madre does that as well. It's like, we're going to find gold. And they find gold. But then the drama comes when they try to bring the gold back. And they're all like, are you going to all murder each other so everyone gets the gold and not split it up with each other? And that's where the yep. paranoia and the drama comes. And then, of course, big and ironic, you know, spoiler, they lose all the gold because of them fighting, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And it's sort of similar where they let it go in this one, but it's a similar idea where I thought that they'd probably drop it down a cave or something like that, where it's like, uh, or into a fire or something, because that's what I figured it was going to. But I like that that's where it ended up because it's, it's, it's our first... Uh, Worf sort of totally centric episode. Uh, I, f- I found this out, which is kind of surprising considering the first episode. This is the first episode they exclusively wrote for Worf. Right. Like Michael Dorn, they didn't know was going to be on the show, and they wrote the first ep- eight episodes and then kind of rewrote him into the show, which is kind of crazy because the first episode works great as a Worf intro, but whatever. Yeah. Um, but uh, but this is the first one where they knew Michael Dorn was on the show, and they wrote an exclusive Worf episode. And it's kind of crazy they wrote a first episode, and he's a He's a dick, and Core, who we love, right. is a dick. You know, it's I, yeah. like a really interesting revitalization. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I feel like Jadzia was the audience of the, was the audience of this episode where oh. she's like, where she was like, I am totally down for this ride. Core is an old friend. Worf, you're a new friend. Let's do this shit. We're just four motherfuckers going out to find some find some historical shit. <laughs> and then they find it and she's like, Can you two just stop fighting for one second? You're being assholes. And, and like that, yeah, like, she that went was me from the entire time. buddy to group mom. She really did. <laughs> like, do I have to separate you two? When she that was she, my favorite part where she she stuns Worf first and he's like, Core's like, Ah, I knew you were on my side. She's like, Shut up. And then just, just like I was so happy, I was, like I sat, like I was watching it in, the, I was watching it in my living room, uh, uh, and and so and so when that happened, I I literally was just like clap, like yes, thank <laughs> you, we've been waiting for that. <laughs> Why didn't you do it sooner? It's so awesome that Jadzi is just like bros with the Klingons. Oh, I love right. that so much. It's like my favorite thing. 
she just great she, she just fits into so many alien races where she's just like she's just perfect <laughs> <laughs> sarah just wants to date Jadzi and have her take her to all the cool Klingon parties and all the cool Ferengi parties. <laughs> I don't want to go to a Ferengi party. They probably make me be naked. It would be weird. I, I only say though, if I only say though, if Sarah is going to date, if Sarah is going to date Jadzia and go on, go on all these parties and go on all these places. Every now and then, let me tag along because I would love that. Yeah. thank you very much. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I want to go out drinking. Be with like Jadzia. Bashir so and rejoined. We're just sitting there like. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I get it. You love each other. Stop. <laughs> but alas, fictional characters. Yes. Well, I'm curious, happen. Sarah, what you thought of the music this episode because I read some entry that was based on sort of Wagner uh, style. So I'm curious. Wagner. If you saw that. Wagner. Never Wagner. It's Wagner. Yeah. <laughs> I, I met it to Sarah Mad. <laughs> You're very Wagner. angry. Um, I'll be entirely honest. I didn't really. It wasn't interesting enough to me for me to pick up on interesting the music. Yeah. In this episode, even though I, I know you told me about it before I watched it, but I was I was more focused on the action than I was on the music. Totally fair. Do you think that a uh, core was a good fit? For this episode, or do you think it I should do. have been a, yeah. a new Klingon? But a what? Was... A new Klingon, or do you like that it was Kor? I liked it was Kor. Yeah. Yeah, it was nice it's... to see him come back. Because it, it, t- it took away the need to, to like explain a backstory for him. We already knew him. We were already familiar with the character, and, pl- and plus it was just... And plus, it made it made it fun to see this guy who we already knew was kind of like against the government of of, of the Klingons team up with someone who team up with someone who had been exiled and it's just like it's like two outcasts kind of more or less uh, going on an adventure and Jatsia. yeah and in particular just I uh, just thought it was a very interesting idea to kind of give the Klingons their own holy grail you know their mm-hmm. own thing that was so important and lost to time and maybe legend or may not be legend anymore and all the things that you ascribe to it you know and all the things that you put on it i thought it was a very interesting idea to not make it uh you know it's always been sort of the cop out of indiana jones like it's actually magic you know like it's always the weird thing about indiana jones is like god is real <laughs> it's the craziest thing about those movies it's yeah like, yep, yep. <laughs> the, the... shit's gonna happen if you open the ark yeah mm-hmm. it's, it's bad <laughs> Which I guess gotcha. is why it will literally melt your face off. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Spoiler which, alert. Which is like the greatest effect because they literally just made a candle guy. Like they literally just made a a guy out of wax, oh, really? and then just oh. put like heaters and dryers on it, and just slowly melted his face, and then sped up the film. It's like the greatest cool. That's classic awesome. practical effect. Yeah. Ah, oh, I love. Indiana Jones movies. <laughs> Let's not get on that rant. Oh yeah, yeah. Just I, I, just I, I really Harrison enjoyed Ford. seeing Korvac. I think John Kolikos uh, probably mispronounced his last name, but uh, I think he's a very interesting actor, and I thought he did a very good job in this episode. I think you know. Oh yeah. Showed a lot oh, yeah. of interesting dramatic range, and has to do a tough job. Or he was like the fun drunk, you know, one in the last one, and he gets to be the Falstaff character, and now he has to be like. The Humphrey Bogart uh, paranoid character in this one, and it's 
very interesting. I think both he and Michael Dorn did a very good job building paranoia slowly and yes. don't do sort of the thing that I I dislike. The only my only complaint about The Shining is that literally in one shot it's like and he's crazy. Like there's no build up in The Shining. Like he's just like he's crazy now in that shot. And yeah, here that's true. Actually, it it was a rather abrupt turn in that film. Yeah, and and this one I felt like they did a good job of slowly building the tension and the paranoia and the distrust and yeah with them questioning like why did he do that why did he do that why did he do that i don't know mm-hmm. <laughs> just a bunch of catty klingons like what did he mean by that <laughs> oh my god yes <laughs> well is there anything else to say for the sword of Kalis? i don't think so not for me no yeah like this was a uh, definitely interesting but also straight a rather straightforward episode i would say where it's like they came they saw they kind of conquered but they also let it go and you know yeah yeah oh i will say real quick though i i do like that they brought back um the, the duras kid that was yeah. a nice nod back to tng lore which i appreciated totally it wasn't just some random dude of, you know, oh, well, we want the sword, too. It's, we want the sword, and also I hate you. <laughs> the <laughs> so Hatfield and McCoys of Klingons. to make you miserable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the Mo and the, the Duras, they just whew, cannot, cannot get along. Mm-hmm. Yep. <clears throat> I believe this is our last Duras episode. Uh, uh, there's, like, on Memory oh, Alpha, oh. they have a nice thing where they have, like, every Duras storyline. And mm-hmm. I was clicking through, and I believe this is the last time they ever show up. So, oh, well, that cool. saddens me. There could be some more yeah. interesting stuff. Indeed. For you, the listeners of Geek Space Nine, Gamefly is offering a premium, free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. And you guys, if you are gamers out there, and I'm sure if you listen to Star Trek, you very well could be a gamer, you guys have to check out Gamefly.com. They have over 8,000 new releases and classics available to rent for Xbox One, PS4, Wii U, and a lot of older systems as well. And get this. You can have any console game or handheld game delivered directly to your mailbox that you get to have as long as you want. And I don't know about you guys, but if you've gone to the game store lately and bought a new AAA game, you'll find out that things are pretty dang expensive. And you could be $60 in a hole of a game you don't even like, whereas in Gamefly, you can just send that bad boy back, get a new one in, and keep that one as long as you like. There are never any due dates or late fees. And get this, now Gamefly actually lets you rent Blu-ray and DVD movies as too. So if you're a nerd like me and still get your movies in the mail the old-fashioned way, old-fashioned as in 2005, then you're going to love Gamefly.com. Plans start with one disc a month for $15.95, but as mentioned before, you can get a free 30-day trial by going to GameFlyOffer.com slash GS9. Again, that's GameFlyOffer.com slash the letter G, the letter S, and the number 9 for your free 30-day trial. Alright, well our next episode is uh, one that was made for my heart. It is Our Man Bashir. We begin the episode the way, frankly, all Star Trek episodes should begin, someone getting punched through a plate glass window. It turns out to be a Holosuite program where Julian pretends to be a British secret agent in the 1960s. Garrick interrupts his fun as he is wondering why Julian has been sending so much time in the Holosuite, and seeing that it is a spy program, he decides to tag along to see how it compares to real spy work. 
Meanwhile, Dax, Worf, Sisko, Kira, and O'Brien are on a runabout when it begins to explode due to sabotage. They are beamed on board the station, but the explosion on the runabout causes them to disappear. Their patterns are saved, but only briefly. So in a desperate attempt, Odo and Eddington wipe the station's memory to store their patterns. It just so happens the physical patterns are saved into Julian's Holosuite program. Julian is first surprised to find his usual program's flirtatious Russian operative, Colonel Anastasia Komononov, to be played by Kira. He tries to freeze the program, but it doesn't work, and Russian Kira does not acknowledge who she is. Bashir gets in contact with Eddington, who says that he can't shut down the program or let the characters die, or else they will lose the patterns. So Bashir has to do a non-lethal run of the story. In his position, Bashir agrees, and Ruski Kira informs Bashir of the mission. A scientist named Dr. Hippocrates Noah has been kidnapping scientists from around the world. He recently kidnapped a Dr. Honey Bear, a.k.a. Dax, <laughs> who is an expert in tectonic plates, which has coincidentally, which has coincided with a surge in major earthquakes around the world. But then they are confronted by O'Brien, or rather, Falcon, the eye-patch-wearing assassin. Bashir gets the best of him, but much to the anger of Garrick, leaves him alive. During the scuffle, Garrick is cut, revealing there are no safety protocols anymore. Garrick reminds Bashir that real spy work is messy and complicated, and that he may have to kill one or more of his friends to save the others. The trio travel to Paris, where they meet Worf, or rather Duchamp, an associate of Dr. Noah. Bashir plays Duchamp in Baccarat, in Baccarat to buy his way into Noah's favor. He wins, but the trio are stunned by a trick cigar. They awaken inside Noah's Mount Everest lair, where Sisko is revealed to be Dr. Noah, and that Honey Dax is working with him to pull off his evil scheme. The scheme? To shrink the Earth's tectonic plates in order to flood the entire world besides Everest, where Noah and his men will build a new utopia. Noah, of course, rather than killing him, straps Bashir and Garrick to one of the lasers. However, Bashir she's all that's the nerdy Honey Dax, and she helps them escape. Garrick, who's had enough, decides to leave the program which would kill the crew. Bashir threatens him with a gun, but Garrick ignores him. Bashir shoots Garrick in the neck, only grazing him, but convincing Garrick of his seriousness. Bashir has trouble, as this program usually ends with the sexy Russian or the sexy scientist dead, but he has a new plan. When he arrives at Dr. Noah, Eddington tells him he and Rom are close to saving them, but they need a few more minutes. Bashir stalls by telling evil Sisko he now believes in his plans, and he even sets off the doomsday device flooding the world. Dr. Noah is surprised, but decides to kill Bashir anyways. Just in time, though, the crew are successfully rematerialized intact. Garrick notes the irony that Bashir saved the day by destroying the world, and Bashir promises that Julian Bashir, secret agent, will return. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of our man Bashir? I really liked this one. It was fun. I exactly. love this episode. <laughs> this was uh, it was my rejoined is quite the right word because rejoined was a very feels heavy episode. And but I fucking love James Bond movies. I've watched all of them multiple times except for one of them. Uh, and this was so fucking perfect. They nailed it. 100% the old James Bond style. And it was so fucking fun. I really, really enjoyed this one a lot. 
I have to say, though, the Netflix, uh, like, one-sentence summary for this episode, which, you know, it accurately describes how it starts, but it just, it's it was really funny to me. It says, Bashir is enjoying a holosuite program that casts him as a super suave 1960s Earth agent when Garrick intrudes on his fantasy. And I don't know why, but that just sounds like the summary of a dirty fan fiction. <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm. Which is obviously that's that's not how it goes, but. But Sarah, I'm a hundred percent sure that a fan fiction has been written about this particular. Oh episode. yeah. Oh, without without, without doubt. question. Um, a hundred percent. What did you think, Peter? This was so much fun. Just seeing and 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 I and I bet every single person in this episode had fun had fun with their respective roles as well because it's like. So because once again, much like the mirror universe, they get to be someone who their character was not, and just really go for it. It, it, it was it was just fun. it was just fun to see. I, I'm assuming we'll have a favorite, but do you have a favorite uh, performance? Oh. oh, I liked Kira with a Russian accent because that was a shock. <laughs> he just came out and said, like, "Hello," and he's like, "What?" <laughs> But uh, in all honesty, I think for me it was Avery Brooks yeah. as a Bond villain. He was actually really good. Yeah, my favorite moment. I don't remember perfect. what happened, but he was like, you know, pointing the gun at Julian, and uh, Julian said something like kind of surprising or something, and there was a beat, and then it just goes, "Ha!" <laughs> <laughs> like, it that was, was perfect. Just, yeah, it was. Crazy. That was really good. <laughs> yeah, his 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 very specific speech pattern, which I mentioned before, is just like perfect for a bond villain and he's like explaining mm-hmm. his evil plans and he's like i will flood the world and i was just like yes yes I love it. <laughs> <laughs> i mean while i'm sitting there like why are you telling them your plan why would you do that because that's what every bond villain does oh, i know and i and i and i say that every single bond film just like why are you telling them just do it and have them mm-hmm. still guessing until the very last minute and by then it's too late for them to stop you because because they have no idea what the fuck because they have not been building up a countermeasure for the past hour yeah it, it i was just so in love that they nailed every single bond thing which is like the only things they didn't have was like a crazy gadget they didn't have he had like that weird tiny gun, so that was kind of close. Yeah. And then they didn't have, and these were just two things you can't have because it's the show uh, needs to pay for other episodes. They didn't have a crazy model, which is always my favorite thing, and they didn't have an army of faceless goons, which is also my always favorite thing in Bond films. This is but true. otherwise, like Baccarat was there, World Traveling was there, like a, a dead pretty lady dying in the first act was there and him sleeping with basically two people a, two a, na- a, name, that, women. a name that totally served as a, as, as, as an innuendo yes Mo- mona loves it and he, and he how we just said it straightforward her name is her name is mona loves it and you're like uh-huh <laughs> and honey bear, honey bear. <laughs> oh my goodness and and also just seeing bashir in a suit i was just like mm-hmm, this is good yeah he's a really good he looked good in a suit yeah. Worf looked good in a suit okay, Worf too. Ba- Worf looked badass in a suit. That was mm-hmm. great. <laughs> yeah, you have your classic baccarat, like you know, playing cards montage. Oh, guys, I love this episode. And and you asked me about um, what I thought of the music in the Sword of Kaelas, but I really like the music in this one. Same. You know, there's yep. the bit when uh, Julian and Garrick are in the tunnel or whatever, and they like 
combined the, you know, James Bond, you know, brass with the Deep Space Nine theme, and it was just perfect. Yep. It was so good. It was great. I loved it. Like, I need more of that. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, It's very funny, because apparently they were like, they're like, we're not going to do Deep Space Nine is serious. We're not doing Hollow Sweet episodes, you know, because, like, and I would admit the same way with TNG, maybe a little too many, and they kind of knew it was like their go-to, like we don't know what to do episode, so we're gonna do a, what if they're stuck in a hollow program with Sherlock Holmes or whatever, you know, and like it, it tended to be a go-to for TNG. But uh, I'm glad that they mm-hmm. all agreed that just fuck it and do this episode because it was immensely fun, even though it took like 15 minutes of writing to explain why the people were in there but not them, you know, like not play acting, but it totally fucking works. And it's probably my, my favorite hollow program episode yet. Cause it's just, I think everything just was so fun and the stakes were solid, but not like insane. And right. I particularly appreciate that James Bond destroys the world to save the day, which is so funny to me. Yeah. A couple of things about it, uh, being a hollow program, Though, first of all, when they like had to delete all the memory out of the station, does that mean like where did it go? Where did it go? Right. How did they get it back? Yeah. That's the that's the month long <coughs> episode we don't see next of them reprogramming the entire yeah. station. <clears throat> O'Brien comes back and is like, "What have you done?" <laughs> you know? He's like, "Didn't we just explain to you, explain this to you?" Yeah, but ser- but but still, the fuck, man. <laughs> and also, I know we've talked about it already, but can we talk about how smart Rom is? I love it. <laughs> oh my god, yes. Like once again just proving that he is a genius and he knows what the hell he's doing. And and how, and how he even points out, yeah, I want to be able to like properly repair this stuff, but Quark doesn't let me because he's stingy with his money. So I have to do it with a fucking spatula. <laughs> and guess what? And the spatula she's like, is, is that a spatula? Plastic. And he goes like, and I love that he gives a techno babble answer, which is great. Where it's like he doesn't say, "Oh, it works." He goes like, uh, "Is that a spatula?" And he's like, "Yeah, the endoconduction of uh, copper is really great for this like particular thing." And like, yeah, he's a fucking genius. <laughs> which, 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 which once again makes it so awesome that he that he is so supportive of of um of of, uh, of nog going to starfleet mm-hmm. academy because he realizes i should have done something like that i didn't i will not let you not do this yeah absolutely so one thing i do want to ask and i'm curious about your opinion on it obviously james bond movies are very sexist <laughs> and this sort of does it is it do you feel that it was consciously commenting on the sexism of the James Bond movies or was it just outright sexist because I really was consciously commenting on it but I I could be persuaded either way um hmm. I, I don't really know yeah I, go ahead Peter I, and I was just I was gonna agree like I, I I don't know how to answer that uh, right now, I would I would have to go back and watch the episode for, and, to like, and like pay attention to that as that aspect of the film for me to give you a full answer. Right. I feel like there were because when once they went down to the because there's that part where he's like like just let your hair down, take your glasses off, and they keep cutting to Garrick going like ugh, 
kidding me? <laughs> that I is true. That. He's like, it's like really? This is this so is cliche. Working. Why is this working? <laughs> this is really shady. I think because they put Garrick's reactions in there, then yes, it was more of a commentary. That's why I, I thought it was like, saying you know, that Dax is a, you know, like bimbo. I think it was saying that like the program is written to have her character be a bimbo because it's from the yes. 60s. Yeah. Yes. At least that was my my interpretation mm-hmm. of it. Yeah, that makes sense. There was a really nice line at the very, very end of the episode, right before Garrick and Julian are about to go back into the real world. Because, you know, originally, at the beginning of the episode, Garrick had, you know, come in to just be like, let's see what Julian does when he's in a hollow suite. Which I guess could have gone very, very poorly if he'd walked in at the wrong time. Mm-hmm. But... Um, <laughs> He said something really nice. It was something along the lines of engaging in fantasy keeps the mind creative. I was like, what a nice thing to say. Makes me feel better about playing video games and watching Star Trek and all sorts of things. It keeps keeps the mind creative. I liked it. That's something, yeah. Support uh, the arts, people. Yes. There's there's an interesting, interesting episode which can be read as sort of video game addiction episode. Which oh, yeah. is the episode where the guy is obsessed with the Hollow Suite and has all the characters from T and from the T and G crew. It's a T and G episode, and has all the crew in his Hollow Suite program doing different versions, and he gets sort of his frustrations out, and he's very shy. And it's interesting because they don't Bar sort of, play. yeah, they don't sort of like um, blame the Hollow Suite, which is what I like. They they sort of just or blame him. They they more feel like you know fantasies are a good thing but like you need to have real world stuff and so i agree i do like that it's weirdly pro video game in a sense because you're absolutely right it's a very similar style even though it's before super immersive video games were a thing but it can almost be read it that way where it's like it's totally fine to just be a spy every once in a while if that's like your way and i, I really like this episode the difference between real spying and that which is like you know uh to get to, to do the program he had to murder the world which is like a really dark fucked up thing to do yep. obviously it's not real people but it's not something James Bond would never ever do and then uh, Garrick's answer is like well sometimes it's fun to be creative and like you know you actually did save the day by destroying the world that's pretty fun that's pretty I see the appeal you know maybe being a depressing real spy all the time isn't as fun as it's uh, cracked up to be even if it's more realistic and actually that was kind of another fun aspect of the show was you have Julian who is, you know, play acting at being James Bond. And then you have Garrick who, you know, in the show was an actual spy for the Obsidian Order. And so you have Garrick's commentary of, you know, a spy would never do this. A spy would do it like this and know when to quit. And that's why I'm still alive and all of my compatriots are dead and et cetera, et cetera. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yeah. Where Bashir is like, no, it's okay to take risks. And look, we, we got all out okay at the end. Yeah, that, that was that was another moment. That was another moment where I was like where I was like, this is the most honest thing that we are getting from Garrick. Yeah. <laughs> if you if you don't get yeah. them often, but when but when you catch it, you're just like, That was a little too real, sir. I I need you to stop. <laughs> we prefer your lies. <laughs> because the truth is too hard. This is true. This is true. Uh, In particular, yeah, I like that uh, he shoots him, which is pretty great. When he even yeah. says like, 
like oh i'm lucky that you aimed to miss and he's like i didn't <laughs> I like, i'm just a bad shot <laughs> yeah. yeah i don't do that I, I don't do this as often as you did so yeah sorry to disappoint but also but but also impress yeah it's uh this is a really fun episode <laughs> i really enjoyed it was a lot yeah. i did i did like i did like that particular moment though where he was like i will shoot you i was just like and, and and so and so afterwards he was like we're doing this my way you will shut up you are here you came into my hollow suite you will follow my rules this is how we're doing it sit sit back and follow me and i was just like this is really sexy okay <laughs> you know bashir is hot when he takes control i fully really concede that point yeah. the, the tux helps yeah, the so tux much. and like taking control and like I have to see him be more funny, but I was like, he could be a good Bond. <laughs> he did a pretty good job. He could probably do the real thing, man. Yeah. Also, I just got a, a a house on Mount Everest. That's too fucking perfect. That's just so goddamn <laughs> perfect. I and also, it. Doctor Noah, and he's going to flood the world. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. How did I not? I was catch just thinking about really? the fact perfect. that his first name was Hippocrates, and you know, uh, Bashir is a doctor. <laughs> ah, yes. Yeah. Uh, so many clever little bits. So many clever little bits in this episode. Just a well-conceived episode. Totally. Very well-conceived and very well-executed. Sorry, I'm looking up Duchamp to see if... uh, I know that name from somewhere. Yeah, that might be an actual Bond character. That would be kind of cool. Also, I loved um, O'Brien. Oh, yeah, he was a Dadaist. He was like a Dadaist uh, uh, art. He's the guy who did the toilet, you know, inside the toilet. Remember that? Mm. No. Okay. Yeah. All right. But I loved O'Brien, like you know, being <sighs> the Irish mafia or the Ra or something bad guy. The fucking Falcon on his eye patch. <laughs> yes, it was perfect. Yeah, that's the other thing they needed. They needed one more character with like one weird deformity. That's always like been a thing. It's like guy with metal teeth or a guy with. Uh, metal hands or right. something. There's always someone mm-hmm. that metal something. Is this the? I realize it was within the context of the Hollow Suite. Is this the first time that we've seen Jadzia and Julian kiss? Oh yeah, I want to say I think yeah. so. Yeah, I think so. Took him four and a half seasons. And that was a kiss. Like, <laughs> that was like, oh, he finally got it. That was a kiss. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. <laughs> wow, you're right. It's, it, that was a kiss where I'm pretty sure if he had a watch on, Garrett could have been like, okay, can we wrap this up? <laughs> <laughs> I have to delay time, man. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well take some pleasure in doing it. Yep. <laughs> Uh, is there anything else to say for our man Bashir? I don't know. I think we've I've, we've covered just about everything. Yeah, and I and I really do hope that we that we that we do in fact get a return of the the return of of super spy Bashir. Yes. What's what's that? I guess it's probably from an animated show or something. That that, that little song of secret agent, agent man. man. Yes. Secret That's agent. It's a TV man. show. Oh, is it? Okay. 
That's yeah. I was kind of thinking of that the whole time, <laughs> which doesn't do him justice. That's you know a very silly song for you know actually somebody doing a good Bond impression, but you know it was. Just- the opening titles for the British series Danger Man. Mm, okay. And uh, really? Yes. And uh, by the way, just to know when I was a kid, I always thought it was Secret Asian Man. <laughs> <laughs> Secret Asian <laughs> Man. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I don't know what uh, problematic yeah. song that is talking about. <laughs> Did you think it was about like ninjas? Or- yeah, something like that. I thought it was a secret agent, but he was Asian. I think that's where my brain went. It's like okay, yeah. Well, uh, well, Which... well, uh, well, actually, actually, funny thing about you thinking you a secret Asian man. I do know that I do know that that is the name of a comic that used to be that used to be written called Secret Asian Man. So it's like technically <laughs> you're not that far off. <laughs> <laughs> I also used to think it was Nacho Man instead of Macho Man. Oh, no, nacho, I, nacho, nacho. I, I totally have the same thing. <laughs> All right. Well, that will do it for our episode this week. That has been our episode. Next week, we will be discussing season four, episode 11, and episode 12, which are Homefront and Paradise Lost, which sound depressing. <laughs> so we will see if I'm right on that one. As always, There's I a wanna... grand total of like three non-depressing episodes <laughs> this entire season. And they've been bunched up too. I'm like, oh right. no. One like, after yeah. another. I feel like we're just getting in a string of depressing. <laughs> but we'll see. As always, I want to thank my lovely co-host for joining me every week on this journey. Our theme song is by Captain Meatshield. You can check him out on Twitter at CPTN underscore Meatshield. We are a part of the Tuscan Shed Media Network. You can see more of our shows at TuscanShed.com. If you like this show, like, subscribe, rate, and review it any way that you can. It helps new listeners discover our show. Until next time, this is the crew of Geekspace 9 signing off. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to uh, fuck the name of the show. <laughs> what are we recording? My brain too just many went. damn podcasts. Honestly, yeah. <coughs> what day is it? I don't know anymore. <laughs> My brain just shut off. All right, do this one more time.